For those of you listening to the recording, I'm sorry I started late. <laughs> um, uh, the, the brain sends the signals throughout the body and tells the body what to do, right? As you are sitting there, none of you is saying, heartbeat, beat, beat. You know, you're not consciously telling your heart what to do. Rather, there's an automatic uh, uh, message that your brain is sending that your, your, God has designed your, your heart to beat uh, without you consciously thinking about it. Uh, same thing with your lungs, you know, when you're walking, when you're eating, uh, when, when you touch something that's hot... Uh, when you eat something that's cold, just messages are going all around your body and that you're centered around your brain. Uh, and, and in order for you to be healthy and to respond properly to your environment, to what's going on, it's imperative that your brain send accurate messages. Right? Uh, if your hand gets on the hot stove and your brain sends the message, everything's good here, <laughs> what's going to happen? Right? Your hand is going to get scorched. Uh, or, you know, just think of it, um, you know, maybe a, 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 one example that most of us, uh, by God's grace, have not experienced, but phantom pain. You know, amputees uh, often experience phantom pain, where they've lost a limb, and their brain doesn't understand that, and so it often sends pain signals indicating, hey, there's pain in your leg, even though there's no leg to have pain in. That's an example of lying, Right, that that the brain is lying to the body because it doesn't it doesn't know what's going on. And so, if if your uh, brain sends wrong signals, you know you're not going to be able to walk. You're not going to be able to function properly as a as a person. And in the same way, we are as members of the body of Christ. <clears throat> we are members of one another. And the only way for us to function properly, productively, effectively together, to live in unity and harmony and love, is for us to speak the truth to one another, to speak accurate messages to one another. I mean, if we're just lying to each other all over the place, we're unwilling to to speak the truth. When there's a problem, we're not willing to deal with it. Uh, When someone's sinning, we're not willing to confront them. Uh, You know, those kinds of things. We're not going to be unified. We're not going to be harmonious. Uh, or w- when we, you know, say things that aren't true, you know, for earlier examples were withholding information. Uh, conversely, when we say things that aren't true, we can be destructive in our speech uh, and harmful. And so it's imperative that if we're going to be the body of Christ, that we speak the truth to one another in order for the body to function effectively. All right, verse 26. He says, be angry, do not sin. Uh, yet do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. What's the put off? Say it louder. Okay, put off, sinful anger. What's the put on? Say it again. Put on anger. Yeah, you could say righteous anger. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's legitimate, right? There, are, there is a, a category for righteous anger. What else? What else does he say that we should put on? Okay, uh, that that's a that's a good logical connection, but I don't think that's quite what what he's indicating here. Because I think the uh, give the devil an opportunity falls under another category. So what's another put on there in verse twenty six, other than be righteous? Put on would you sinless? I almost I thought you said sunlessness. <laughs> you know, don't let the sun go down. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I think I think these are all saying uh, around the same thing. The idea of uh, instead of being sinfully angry, deal with your anger in a biblical way, which can either look like righteous anger, or or alongside that, um, dealing with your anger quickly, uh, not letting anger persist in your heart, because the longer that anger persists in your heart, bitterness grows right it it rots it festers uh, and and that leads to more sin so the put off is stop being sinfully angry I think the put on is either be righteously angry or deal with your anger quickly what's the renew your mind yeah yeah not giving the devil an opportunity again the longer you allow sinful anger to reside in your heart what are you doing you're opening yourself up to the evil one to have sway in your life you're opening yourself up to all kinds of temptation. And speaking of the armor of God, uh, as Ron was mentioning, uh, the evil one has all kinds of schemes that he's trying to work into our lives, that from the outside he's lobbing into our lives, and thoughts of anger and bitterness and malice, uh, those are among his schemes. And so Paul says, deal with your anger. Don't, don't stay angry. Don't, don't be sinfully angry. Don't give the devil an opportunity. All right, number 28. Or number 28. Verse 28. He who steals must uh, must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. What's the put off? Steal no longer. Don't steal anymore. What's the put on? Working hard. Yeah, working hard. What's the renew your mind? God has designed us to work. Work is not the result of the curse. Work came in before the curse of sin. So work is not a problem. So we ought to work. And the purpose of work is not to amass to ourselves all kinds of resources for us to enjoy. (laughs) The purpose of work is for us certainly to provide for ourselves, but beyond that, to be a blessing to others. A person who steals is all is only thinking about themselves, right? What I want, what, what I think I need. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take from other people who've been working and earning for themselves, uh, and I'm gonna take from them to benefit myself. Instead, we have to have the mindset that no no no, I exist on this world not for myself, but for others. And so I'm gonna work, I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna be generous. Uh, and minister to others. I'm going to go from a self-oriented mindset to an others-oriented mindset. All right, number uh, verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. What's the put off? Yeah, unwholesome corrupting talk. Very good. What's the put on? Edifying speech, right? And then what's the renew your mind? Why is it so important that we speak in an edifying way? Giving grace to those who hear, exactly. God has designed our mouths to be used in a way that is a blessing to others. In, in verse 28, with regard to stealing, he's, he's speaking of our hands. You know, we're, we're to serve others. Verse 29, he's speaking of our mouths. We're to bless others, to be an encouragement, to build up, to comfort, to strengthen, uh, to instruct uh, others. And so when we speak in a destructive way, in, a, in an unwholesome way, we're tearing down others, right? We're demeaning them, we're minimizing them, we're, we're making it harder for them to uh, know God's purposes for their life and, and to 
a walk with Christ. But when we speak in an uplifting way, in an encouraging way, in an edifying way, uh, we're building others up and uh, helping them in their walk with Christ. And that's the purpose for which uh, we're made in our relationships with one another. All right. For the sake of time, I'm going to end it there. But uh, verse 31, 32, same thing. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander. That's the put off along with malice. Put on, be kind to one another, be tenderhearted, be forgiving. That's the put on. Why? Because God in Christ has forgiven you. If God has so treated you with kindness and forgiveness and tenderness and care, how much more should we treat one another uh, in that way? So here's the question. When is a liar no longer a liar? When has somebody changed biblically such that they are no longer a liar? Yes, Carolyn. Okay, when he doesn't desire, sure, that's, that's part of it. Repents. Yeah, when he repents. Yeah, there you go. I mean, all, all those, those three things are all involved, but ultimately it's when he's known for being a, a truth speaker. Where instead of somebody saying, oh, you know, Joe Blow over there, don't, don't believe anything he says. People say, just understand that whatever Joe says, it's going to be the truth. <laughs> when there's a reputation change, then you know then there, that there's been biblical change. Right? It's not biblical change if the liar stops talking. Right? Because he, uh, he's changed, perhaps, but he hasn't changed biblically because he's not more like Christ when he's not talking. <laughs> All right? When is a thief no longer a thief? When they're known for giving. Right? Same principle. Instead of being known for taking, now they're, being, they're known for, for giving. You know, as it's been said, a thief who's not stealing is just a thief between jobs. <laughs> so they need to have a reputation and a character and a lifestyle of giving to others. That's how you know there's been biblical change. And so it is with, with all of these. Uh, biblical change is not just a matter of having stopped a certain activity. And it certainly starts with the internal change of repentance and, and a desire to, to be different. But it's not, the process isn't complete until there's that put on. There's that new character. There's the new lifestyle. All right. So as, again, as you think about your own life and the area in which you desire to change as we walk through this course, I would just encourage you to consider, don't think merely in terms of, I don't want to do X anymore. I mean, that's good, you know, especially if it's a sin pattern. It's not just a matter of not doing that. It's also a matter of, I want to be more like Christ such that Y is, a, is characterized in my life as opposed to X, if you will. True speaking, I'm known for true speaking as opposed to lying. I'm, I'm known for giving as opposed to uh, stealing. I, I'm known for gentleness and kindness and love instead of being known for harshness and anger. So that, that uh, demonstrates, that helps us to understand the, the fullness of what we're called to when we're uh, seeking to grow uh, biblically, grow uh, in likeness to Christ. Okay? All right, any, any thoughts or questions before we move on? Okay, very good. Well, I'm going to go ahead and turn on the video. Uh, it's, uh, I think, around 26 minutes or so. And uh, the, the theme here is the fact that we grow in community.
Right? So far, we've been talking very uh, individualistically, and that's necessary. That's that's important. Uh, but at the same time, even as we have read in Ephesians, uh, if you did some of the, the homework, uh, there's a, a huge dynamic that God has given us, a huge resource, if you will, uh, that we're not meant to just live the Christian life on our own. We're not meant to grow and change on our own. We're meant to grow and change in community. All right. I've heard it said uh, a number of times over the years, so-and-so doesn't want to get help for their problem from the pastors or counselors because they don't want the church to know their business. I don't know if you've thought that. I've heard uh, either people say that to me directly. You know, sorry, I I don't want to meet with you because I don't want the church to know my business. Or I've heard it said, you know, so-and-so won't come to you because they don't want the church to know their business. Uh, I hope that if if any inkling of that has been in your mind, uh, that this lesson will uh, remove that completely, okay? Because it's in the context of the body of Christ that we are intended to grow and change. Any thoughts? A little too close to home, huh? Okay. All right. Yeah. It's hard. It's very hard. Even though you love the Lord, that Corinthians that was just put up on the screen, it's hard to let somebody, when you're used to doing everything yourself, mm-hmm. you know, even though you know God is helping you, it's, you know, to invite someone in and say, I need help. Mm-hmm. It was very hard for me when I first started in this church. Very hard. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, eventually the love and and uh, the love for Christ that people show to you, hmm. it, it breaks that ice. Hmm. It yeah. breaks that ice. And it, it allows you to come forward without thinking about, oh, I feel ashamed to have to ask this, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. very good. All right. Well, uh, go back to Ephesians. I want to connect some of what he's saying here with one of the assignments, which was to go through Ephesians and identify uh, what are the uh, realities of what God has done for us uh, in Christ that uh, empowers uh, us and and motivates us to grow and change. Uh, I mean, Ephesians is just chock full of things, so we don't have time to go through everything. But I do want to highlight a couple things. Notice in chapter 2, uh, chapter 2, the first 10 verses, you know, we, we emphasize that a lot. I mean, I'll quote toward the end of the sermon today, I'll quote a, a good chunk of that. So it's a very familiar passage about our salvation, and, uh, and, and rightly so. We, we emphasize, you know, the personal aspect of salvation. But as soon as he gets done talking about that, he quickly moves into the community aspect of salvation. And so he starts there in verse 11. He says, Therefore remember that formerly you Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So that's the isolation, uh, separation, alienation aspect of uh, unbelievers. 
Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and has broken down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put uh, to death the enmity. Uh, Let me just skip down to verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together, is growing into a whole a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Alright, so all of that to say that when God saves you, He immediately and at the same time saves you into the body of Christ. Or as He uses the illustration of the, the, the temple of, of God, the, the building of God. That we are all one part of, uh, of God's body, we're all one part of God's temple, God's building, and uh, as such, we cannot be thinking of ourselves as being independent. You know, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, if the eye should say, because I'm not a hand, am I any less a part of the body? No, of course not. Uh, just because we think, well, I'm not gifted like so-and-so, or I don't have those abilities, therefore, you know, I'm not needed, I'm just this spare part. No, there, there are no spare parts in the kingdom of God, right? We are all part of one unified body, and especially in the context of the local church, where we actually come together to meet uh, in corporate ways, in, in smaller ways, and we fellowship, we worship, we speak to one another, we you know, live life together, as it were, uh, especially in those smaller contexts of small groups and, and friendships, we have to recognize the community aspect of our faith. And it's not just about being friends. It's not just about being social. All right, people can be social. You know, across the street, we have Marty. I, I need to remember what that stands for, but it's a Turkish organization intended to help people immigrating from Turkey to get established uh, here in the United States. It's an uh, Islamic organization, and they also do other things, uh, ecumenical activities and stuff. But uh, but at, at their core, they're a community organization for Turkish people. And you know, every couple months, they'll do a food festival. You know, you see that on Sundays. Uh, if you ever want to go, they're just having Turkish food. So you can enjoy that if you want. But um, but they have community, right? They, they get together and they do things together. They help each other out. And, and that's great. As human beings, we're made to, for a relationship, you know, because we're made in the image of God. But that doesn't go as deep as what God calls us to in the body of Christ. Yes, we're meant to be in a relationship where we can enjoy each other's company, where we can share common interests and, and uh, you know, hobbies and, and things that we enjoy. But we're meant to go deeper to the level where we are helping each other grow into likeness of Christ. And that really involves uh, intimate relationships where we know each other at a deeper level. You know, where we can have conversations like what Paul Tripp had with his brother in the car. Uh, so how are you applying this truth into your life? Uh, let's talk about your marriage. Let's talk about the struggles you're having in the home or at work. Or, 
how are you finding the Lord work in your life? We can have conversations at that deeply personal level and encourage one another. And where we're, we're free to open our lives to each other and not, not just be content with that veneer of, of hey, everything's okay, everything's fine. Uh, why? Because God has saved us into the body of Christ. And then just to emphasize that again, in chapter 4, verse 1, when he transitions in the letter from the emphasis on the doctrine to the emphasis on the, the living in light of the doctrine, he says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. In other words, God has called you with a high calling. He's given you a privileged position. Now live up to that. Not, not to earn it, but live consistent with the privilege, the calling, the grace, the blessings that God has bestowed on you. And how, what does that look like? Verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So he's saying, if you want to apply the gospel to your life, if you want to live out the truths and the realities of the gospel, you do that in the context of your relationships. Right? And, uh, and if you're going to have need to uh, exhibit these qualities, that means there's going to be vulnerability. There's going to be openness. There's going to be uh, conflict in, in, in situations where we realize that we are not always thinking the same way. And so by opening ourselves up to each other, uh, we then have the privilege and ability to be humble and gentle and patient and tolerant and, and all the rest. And then uh, he moves on from there to talk about the, the manifestations of grace that God gives uh, in the life of the church. Verse 7, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So we each have spiritual gifts. Um, verse 11, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service or for the work of ministry to the building up of the body of Christ. So God has gifted each one differently. He's given some leadership oversight roles, but he's given the, the ministry to the whole body. Right. So it's not that I'm a minister and, and you're not. No, we're all ministers in the body of Christ. And we are working together, or we are to work together, for the building up of the body. To what end? Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature of which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed there, here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, verse 15, but, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So who is responsible for the growth of the body? Everybody. 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 Get that? Everybody. And sometimes we, we look at a particular church and we're like, man, what's wrong with those pastors that that church is so messed up? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just... You know, we, we look at a church and we judge it based on its leadership. And, you know, sometimes that's, there, there's relevance to that. But the truth is, no, no, no. This, this is a community effort. <laughs> you know? Uh, 
I have no more power than anybody else to effect change. Right? I might have more influence because you know the Lord's given me the opportunity to, to speak and teach. But we're all in this together. <laughs> right? You have influence in the lives of one another that I don't have. And I have influence in the lives of other people that you don't have. And so we ought to all be practicing uh, the one another's, uh, chief among them, speaking the truth in love to one another, so that we can all grow together. And so that means that on the one hand, we're doing speaking, we're in each other's lives where we have the ability to speak into one another's lives. And on the other hand, we are receiving, we're, in, we're putting ourselves in a vulnerable position to receive truth from others. Yeah, sweet. So what you're saying that being in God's house, we are all sisters and brothers in Christ. Mm-hmm. So we are supposed to be able to have a mindset of God, being able to have a sister or brother come to us in their um, situation, whatever they in, to be able to talk it and not allow it to be said, uh, put to the person as something for them to go and gossip about because we're supposed to uplift one another. Yeah. So I understand what you're saying. We're all in this together. Yeah. So if we can't uplift one another, as for myself, when I can't help someone, I send them to someone that have more authority than I do. Sure. That's just me. Sure. But... You know, yeah, you yeah. Do. So uh, that's that's helpful. Uh, yeah, there's a lot we could say in terms of how do we go about ministering to one another. What are wise principles? So certainly one of those principles is discretion, <laughs> right? Uh, we don't hear something from somebody and go tell everybody, oh, can you believe what so-and-so told me? <laughs> right? That's gossip. Uh, so we need to be very careful. And that's one of the ways that we love one another is by showing discretion and, and uh, being kind in, in what we... Uh, keep to ourselves within appropriate boundaries. Um, and the, and also there are times when someone shares something with us that, gosh, I, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> I, I don't know how to help you with that. I don't know what truth uh, that you need to address that situation. And so we can say, you know, maybe you should go speak to so-and-so and uh, maybe they'll be able to help you. And, and you can either just do that, just say, you know, redirect and, and point them on another direction or you can say hey how about we go together and talk to so and so Uh, I don't have all the answers I really don't know how to help you but I want to walk with you through this difficulty so let's go to a counselor let's go to a pastor let's go to a wise mature believer let's go together and I will walk you through this walk with you through this and we can grow together right so I mean we could talk on and on about how can we actually go about lovingly ministering to one another. Um, and again, when, when you make yourself vulnerable and you open your life to others, there is that scary thought of, what are people going to think of me? <laughs> right? If people really knew what I struggle with, you know, people often say, people would not accept me. You know, they wouldn't let me walk into this building if they knew. And we have some pretty real sinners in this church. Um, we're all sinners, right? 
And, and, and some people say, oh, I, I, I'm like another level of, <laughs> of sinner. Um, it, I mean, it is true that if everybody knew what everybody struggled with, there would be some shock. I, I really believe that. It, just because of our human propensity to level sins and, and weigh sins differently than God does. But that's, uh, that's life. You know, we are sinners desperately in need of grace. And the church is the place where we ought to receive the grace and the hope uh, and the help to, to grow and change. So rather than being afraid to make ourselves vulnerable, um, we, uh, we should be opening ourselves and, and uh, being willing to receive grace and also though being willing to accept the possibility that maybe someone that we open ourselves up to, they, they don't handle that wisely. That's why, again, chapter 4, verse 1, humility, gentleness, patience, tolerance. Because we're all sinners, we're not going to do everything perfectly. right? We're not going to respond to each other the way that we always ought to respond to each other. People aren't always going to say something that's helpful and encouraging. Sometimes they're going to respond to our vulnerability with, in a way that's actually more hurtful to us than helpful. And so that's when we have to then extend grace. And all that to say, grace should be the, the air that we breathe in the life of the church. Right? Rather than attacking each other and pointing out each other's weaknesses, and I can't believe you would do that. No, we need to show grace and, and patience and forgiveness to one another. Yeah. So, so I um, want to ask your opinion, then, um, as someone who's had years of counseling and ministry experience. So is the idea of small groups within the church, is that where you perceive to be the place where that kind of ministry amongst believers should be taking place? Is that ultimately? Well, uh, I don't know about ultimately, but we, it is our desire uh, as elders that the small groups be uh, oriented in a way and conducted in a way that the relationships are strengthened uh, and they're committed and that's kind of the first place where people should seek help for their needs, whether it's the practical needs, you know, hey, I'm having a procedure, I need some meals, or, you know, I need yard work or whatever. Okay, the small group comes around to serve one another with their hands and their strength. Uh, or spiritual needs. That it, within the appropriate context, you know, maybe not with the whole group if it's not appropriate, but that the small group relationships are such that that's where we can be vulnerable with one another at a level that we're not able to be on a Sunday morning, you know, between services or something like that. Uh, not to say that that's the limit, that that's the only context. But one of the reasons that um, we require people to be members in order to join a small group is so that there can be a, uh, a consistency in who's attending and participating, and so those uh, relationships can, can grow and flourish. So. so one of the reasons why I asked that was because I was at a church um, about 20 years ago, and I remember a woman saying, um, I've been a part of a small group for 20 years, and she says, I don't even really know. People mm. really know yeah. people yeah. in that group. Yeah. So, yeah, and so that's why the last couple of years, with every new small group, uh, I've asked them to start with an eight-week um, curriculum, if you will, book study called, uh, called Caring for One Another, so that they can, as, as a new group gets started, they can cultivate an environment of caring for one another. And then for those who have, that have been existing, you know, I didn't say stop what you're doing and do this, but just, hey, next when you're ready to switch, 
do this study. And I think all the small groups have gone through that at this point. It's been a couple years. Uh, because, again, it's our hope that the small group would be that place of relationships. Again, not the only place, but a significant place uh, where we can live out these one another's. Okay, I need, I need to finish. I'm five minutes over where I want to be. So, uh, so this is my encouragement to you. As you think about the challenge in your, in your life that you're seeking to grow in, uh, don't, don't think just, I just got to pull myself up from my boots, by my bootstraps, right? Think, who is in my life who might be able to be a help and encouragement to me in this? Uh, who can speak into my life with regard to this area? Uh, who can uh, encourage me or, or give me wisdom uh, in this area? It might be your spouse. It might be a girlfriend, uh, you know, a guy friend. It might be someone in your small group. Um, you know, if, if you're not sure, maybe you need to seek out help. Maybe, maybe someone in the, uh, one of the counselors in the counseling ministry. But just consider, how can I involve other people in my life so that I can grow in this area? Maybe it's just for accountability. Hey, would you pray for me as I'm, as I'm seeking to address this area in my life? Uh, and every once in a while, you know, you invite them to ask you, how's it going? You know, what's the Lord teaching you? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, let's be in each other's lives, you know, in appropriate, in appropriate ways, uh, but uh, serve one another in that way. And that will, uh, that will not only be a blessing, but it will really catapult our growth uh, together in Christ. Okay? Let me pray.